this is the Internet Report, where we uncover what's working and what's breaking on the Internet and why. This was an interesting week last week because we had a number of fairly high profile incidents that impacted not only consumers, but also um, business users as well. So there was a pretty significant Spotify outage on August 19th, which was uh, Wednesday. And that happened um, fairly early in the morning um, from the, uh, the standpoint of Eastern uh, mm -hmm. time. And yeah. so there was a lot of users, for example, in the UK that, that complained about not being able to use the service. Right. And, and again, the reason we only saw a lot of users in the UK complain was because it was fairly early, but the, the outage actually was uh, more global in nature. And um, as observed by some um, interesting like you know customers it looks like there was an expired tls certificate that you know actually uh, resulted in the outage yeah absolutely and and we have a great interview uh, later on in the show with um uh someone who's going to talk around uh tls certificates some trends there and why we're seeing more outage incidents that are being triggered from um uh those tls certificates expiring so that's be really interesting. I also thought another interesting thing about this particular event, as you brought up, which is that we saw, for example, if you if you were to go to Down Detector, you saw that a lot of the complaints were showing the hotspot to be the UK, and then maybe a little bit on the East Coast. And mm -hmm. that's you know again, it's like one of these things that's a little misleading because the outage was really widespread, and it was really just that users were noticing and complaining about the incident. Um, in those areas because of the time zone they were in and that they were actually, um, you know, up and awake during that time. Right. And uh, again, one of the interesting things that we noticed is uh, once we got wind of the outage um, and actually after we started monitoring to a particular domain. Uh, and interestingly, we actually did see a certificate renew renewal the morning of August 19th. Um, so while Spotify has not come back with a root former root cause, um, what was speculated by some of their customers, um, we were able to confirm that looking at the platform. Yeah, and, and considering some of the incidents that we've seen in the past, this was a fairly quick yep. resolution. Um, they were able to you know, effectively turn around this, um, this update pretty quick. So, and that is something interesting our guest speaker today is going to talk about as well. So definitely stay tuned for the expert uh, section today. Awesome, and then uh, another one that really impacted a lot of um, service providers. And then of course, because it impacted service providers, it would have had a downstream impact on users. Um, but this was a very prolonged um, outage uh, at Equinex's uh, facility in London, their Docklands um, facility. Apparently there was a power outage that impacted both their um, both their, their supposedly independent sources of, of power and having lost two feeds, this lasted um, like almost 12 the hours. Whole day. Yeah. 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 So around between 12 and 15 hours, not all of their customers were impacted in the same way, which is something we'll talk about in a bit um, when we get into this a little bit more. But that was a, a pretty significant incident that happened on August 18th, um, right. starting in, in the early hours of the morning. And, and talking about ISP outages, um, we had another, um, yet another cogent outage um, on uh, Wednesday, August 19th. Uh, happened pretty late in the night. Um, so, you know, we didn't really see an impact of the outage because it happened around, uh, I think like 
10.50 Easter, no, 10.50 Pacific. So it was pretty much across in LA, Boston. So we saw it widespread from the perspective of areas that were impacted, but because it was so late in the night, you know, we did not necessarily see any um, user impact, um, most likely a maintenance window given the time frame. Yeah, yeah. And we see that fairly frequently with a large transit provider like Cogent, when they make changes to their network and they do have these maintenance events, they will simultaneously impact a lot of different locations that are really distributed. So yeah. um, oftentimes, not only the US, but their, their UK, uh, sorry, their EMEA um, infrastructure will be impacted as well. So that was, mm -hmm. that was something that we saw here. Um, but just, you know, interesting to know kind of how, how they do, the, you know, how they operate effectively, right? And, right. and you know, what, if you're, if you're in the, you know, Europe or if in, you're in the US, like you can expect kind of a similar uh, time frame in terms of when maintenance is done. Yep. All right, so, so we're yeah. going under the hood uh, on the Equinix outage. We saw some really interesting shares. Um, like Angelique was saying, this was a really long outage, like almost 12 to 15 hours. Um, yeah. and see an array of ISPs impacted. Um, so yeah, let's let's get into that really quick now. Yeah, so we're looking just kind of at a tweet that was sent out um, by Equinex um, regarding the outage, um, you know, again, took place at their Docklands facility, LB8. And uh, it was a power outage. And so it impacted their customers there as well as other uh, providers, including other exchange providers like Lynx. Um, um, also reported that they were impacted as well because they maintain infrastructure within um, within this facility and also peer and offer various services uh, through that facility as well. Um, what's interesting is that at the time of the outage, so we're looking here kind of um, around 325 um, UTC, which would have been around 320, or excuse me, 420 AM BST. BST. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so this is a this was basically at the start of the outage we see you know just simultaneously a number of different service providers for example telianet we see cogent ntt and level three and if we drop down into a little more detail on each one of these we can see for example these are um this is infrastructure that is in the uk and the same uh with cogent as well so obviously they have a lot of of um infrastructure and again in infrastructure within the UK is impacted. Good contrast to what we mentioned earlier in terms of when Cogent has a planned incident, it's usually distributed across a number of different sites. And we don't see that here. We really see that this is contained to kind of the blast radius of this Equinix um, uh, power and Actually, that's a really good point that you mentioned because from a timing perspective, you know, this did happen local time pretty early on, right? Like 4.30. So what one could think that this is a maintenance window, another way to kind of, you know, um, characterize that kind of level set is it's not that distributed, right? Yeah, you know? yeah. Yeah, and, it, and it's also useful to kind of um, look at this incident within the context of like, what are their maintenance windows typically look like? When do they mm -hmm. typically take place? And this doesn't look like that at all, yep. um, just based on what we've seen with Cogent in the past. So having that context about even individual providers um, and what their typical operations look like is, is really useful. And then um, looking at NTT again, the UK, 
Um, what so I really is- like about this snapshot, Angelique, is um, it shows kind of not just the breadth of the outages, but in like in one place, you can see all the providers that are yeah. impacted, yeah. right? And that typically happens with like a colo like Equinix um, and in a, in a location like London, um, it's kind of that, that impact is like really widespread. Absolutely. Yeah. And this is just one particular interval of time. We also picked up um, uh, lots of um, kind of packet loss and an outage for uh, British Telecom and mm-hmm. other service providers as well. So not just the ones we're seeing here. Um, but it's interesting because um, there were some of the customers of, of Equinix who reported that they were affected by this outage. It didn't look like every one of their customers was impacted the same way. Some of them lost um, connectivity to their infrastructure uh, across the board, and then others just some of their racks, for example. And so we can see here, for instance, that um, some uh, service providers um, and users connecting from certain locations, we only saw the effect for a very brief period of time at the, at the mm-hmm. onset of the incident, right? And, and this, yeah, you're right. And then if you if you filter here on Northampton, right, um, just to kind of reduce the scope of what you're seeing here, is that red dot, which is 100% packet loss, is very clearly seen in the Equinix um, facility. And, and to your point, um, this looks like a blip, uh, just from a, you know how long this outage lasted. And this could be because of, uh, not all providers were affected, not all uh, power was impacted, so. Right, and it, and it may also be that some of the providers were able to recover yeah, from yeah. having that particular facility go down. Um, and that's also something interesting to kind of bear in mind if you're an enterprise and you see that certain service providers are maybe more resilient in the face of, say, a kind of appearing connection going down, that might be something also to consider. Um, when you when you kind of manage and evaluate your vendors, um, and then from uh, a backup perspective, yeah. right? Not just from like uh, where you're located, you have redundancy, right. yeah. but but yeah. even from a power backup perspective, the ones who were really affected were, were really un- unfortunately unlucky because they lost both the primary and the backup, right? Yeah. So yeah. that's why the recovery took long. I think this is an example where actually you see the impact for for that twelve hours. Uh, well, it's also interesting too because I think that brings up a question of what is resiliency and and you know in in talking to your providers um, because it sounded like based on uh, some of the statements of their customers I think it was GigaNet that that put out a statement um, they you know again they mentioned like both the A and B power sources well typically those for resiliency purposes are completely independent of one another and um, if one goes down the other is meant to you know not be affected in the same way but they were both affected so I think there are a lot of questions that this brings up in terms of you know how resilient were they really in the first place Um, so this was interesting because we also saw you know again across a broad um, set of providers level three cogent and others that the um, the outage was very prolonged. So mm-hmm. contrast to that little blip where uh, some users were only impacted for a little while, we see here starting at, you know, around 325 um, UTC, which is 425 British Standard Time, which is 
exactly at the, at the um, start of the outage. So there's a really nice marker here. We see this 100% packet loss, and this continues for hours. Yep. And we see that it doesn't um, resolve um, until um, like 12 hours later, right? So um, that is really interesting that it's, it was that prolonged for some providers, um, for some users connecting through that service. Now, I was going to yeah. say that, you know, talk, when just this, uh, talking about redundancy, there was this other outage um, a couple of months ago on Google, mm. um, I think GCP, which was also related to a power outage, but it then raised that question of redundancy because it right. impacted like, you know, multiple availability zones in, yep. in one specific yep. region of theirs. Right. So if you're thinking about redundancy, I mean, you have to think about it in like from various different perspectives yep. uh, while you're architecting your application, not just from at the app level, but you know, but the physical infrastructure and then your peering. So um, it, it's not an easy task. So. Oh no! Yeah, there's there's a lot of um, there's a lot of hidden dependencies too, you know, and and sometimes um, you know just knowing who your providers providers are is useful as well because for example, like Lynx said that their own customers were impacted because Lynx had a dependency on Equinix. Um, yep. So it can really be like this kind of um, nesting doll of dependencies and. You, you kind of have to understand what your exposure is. So you have to certainly have to go a few degrees uh, deep. deeper. Yep. Um, so, so, you know, again, this was pretty interesting. Um, Equinix uh, said that by around 950 uh, local time, it was uh, completely resolved. There's some indications that it was resolved a lot earlier for customers. And we can see here that um, in this particular incident, it lasted around 12 hours, um, which is, from a from an outage standpoint, pretty pretty um, significant. Pretty yeah. significant, especially because it's a working day. It's right in the middle of the day. Yeah, um, yeah absolutely. Yeah. So, um, it's Yeah, totally. So, uh, so that was that was a really kind of interesting um, incident. Now we're going to kind of pivot and go back to the Spotify outage because there's a lot of lessons that can be uh, gleaned from this particular incident. So. Um, Archie, I know you're going to go on a deep dive with uh, Prob Singh, and um, you guys are going to talk a lot about interesting stuff related to different different trends and different browsers and kind of the evolution of TLS uh, search yep. and what's changing and all of that. So stick around and catch that uh, that interview. In our expert spotlight section uh, this week, we have Prab Singh, Senior Product Manager at Thousand Eyes. Hey, Prab. Hi, Archana. How are you? Doing good, and thanks for being on the show. Yeah, really excited. Thanks for inviting me. I'm really excited to have a conversation on, uh, on certificates. Yeah, so um, for those of you who don't know Prab, uh, he is um, our senior product manager at Thousand Eyes, um, and he's a 10-year networking professional and is currently leading our internet and brand product line. And one of the reasons Prab's on the show today is uh, in relation to uh, the outage that we just discussed, on, uh, which happened last week, the Spotify outage that was related to um, a TLS certificate expiry, and Prab's been doing a lot of work in that area. So, Prab, talking about like recovery rate, how long does it take to um, reissue a certificate and be back up and running? Yeah, I, I think it, it really depends. Uh, it can be pretty quick. Um, I think most of 
the problems that we've seen around certificate expiration um, has, has really been around detection. Um, depending upon what type of application there is, um, if, it's a, if it's a thick client um, that, that users use to be able to access a service, um, it's a bit harder to detect as an end user that can essentially put this on Twitter and all of a sudden you know as a, as a signal that there's a problem going on. Um, so applications that are being accessed via thick clients may not have the, the, the error reporting capabilities that perhaps browser do, browsers okay. do. Um, it, with Apple or Safari or Chrome or Firefox, we all know of that message that comes up where yeah, you know, certificate is, is not trusted and do you really want to proceed? And then you have to kind of, yeah, the user really close to do that. And, and browsers are doing that because they want to protect users from the spoofing problems. Um, so I think a lot of the prob a lot of the time that's spent around certificate expirations and how do you remediate this issue is around detection. Uh, and depending on the application you access, whether it's browser-based or client-based, will depend upon um, how long it takes. But the renewal process itself, if it's email-based validation, um, uh, and you have the right authority, it can be as, as, as quickly as you know, a few minutes to 30 minutes where you're generating a, you go to the certificate authority's website, you generate a certificate signing request, um, you validate that you have an email in that domain, you get sent an email validation, and then you install the new cert on the new server. Okay, yeah. What would your recommendations be uh, for enterprises to kind of you know, prevent this from happening? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, I think overall there are some, some short-term benefits, right? You, we, can, we can start to really put an automation in place that are not user-centric, but uh, almost service-centric, where they're tied to an, an organization. And if there are renewal emails that are being sent, uh, they're being sent to not particular users, but particular sort of mailers where users can be really alerted. Um, over time, though, I think that's just like a, like a Band-Aid. Mm -hmm. uh, over time, we'll probably be moving towards uh, automation, uh, complete automation of certificates, um, where certificates are automatically renewed via vendors. Uh, today, like, like we talk about LessonScript, less encrypt, but even digital certain sectors are starting to, to, to uh, provide those. Um, so I think the, the overall the overall recommendation is really going to be you know, moving towards automation as much as possible and removing any manual intervention that is required um, that can cause blips like this on the internet. Right. Yeah, makes sense. Um, all right, Prab, thanks so much for being on the show. This was really good um, information. So thanks again. Yeah, appreciate it. Uh, good chatting with you and uh, good luck. Thank you. That was a great interview, Archana. Lots of interesting stuff related to why we're seeing more of these incidents happening, some very high profile outages that have resulted from uh, just not keeping your cert updated. And it seems like a, yeah. it seems like a very simple thing that IT it teams is, yeah. take care of, right? Like you said, right. it's expiring. And, you know, what was really interesting for me was how there is um, kind of like this tug of war between browsers trying to push something and right. then the certificate authority uh, trying to say once a year is too much so we should do once in two years um, right. right yeah so that was interesting and yeah. I think um, you know probably also touched upon the whole aspect of automation right like how do you avoid this and yeah sure like you could you could make sure automation is in place and your certificates is constantly updated, but we are not there. And in the interim, what can you do to prevent this is, is to monitor and then to Absolutely. make sure 
you, you are not a victim to these uh, outages. Absolutely, that's really critical. One other kind of interesting thing that you bring up there is that this is sort of another example of, you know, in this case, the browser um, providers, so like the more of like the app level folks kind of dictating how the infrastructure needs to work and they're really yeah. strong arming, um, you know, and, and we see that repeatedly from, uh, you know, application providers, cloud providers that are starting to really dictate how the internet works. Um, right, right. So and, you know, Safari started it, Chrome and Firefox followed, like, I mean, that's basically the majority of your browsers, right? So yeah. they do yeah. have um, the, the power <laughs> to twist arms if they need to. So something similar to what we're seeing on the Apple and uh, Epic games that's going on. That's right. Yeah. So lots, lots to watch. We'll, we'll keep the popcorn uh, warm um, and see what happens. Um, all right. Well, that's all we have time for uh, this week. So uh, don't forget to subscribe. And if you do subscribe, we have a little prize for you. Uh, just a send an email to uh, internet report at thousandeyes.com with your address and your t-shirt size. And we have a really great t-shirt that we'll send out to you. Um, and uh, till next time. Take all right. Care. Bye guys.